Hello, HYP podcast listeners. This is Derek Weitzel, Executive Director of the Harrisburg Young Professionals. Thank you for listening in in our series, How It's Built in the Berg, stories from Harrisburg area entrepreneurs and the companies that they have built here. For our fourth event in the series, we got to hear from Adam Porter, uh, co-founder of two local businesses. His first was a co-working space called Startup Harrisburg, and most recently he co-founded a small grocery store in Harrisburg's downtown called Provisions. Uh, During his talk, we got to hear a little more about how he is able to juggle two businesses as well as a full-time job managing the Midtown Cinema. Larry Benda, co-founder and editor-in-chief of The Berg Magazine, takes the interview from here. Thanks, Derek. So, so, so Adam, now that Derek has built you up, it's time for me to tear you down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already um, no, That's not going to happen. Actually, um, Adam's probably one of my, my favorite people in Harrisburg. Oh, sure. um, in fact, uh, and, and one, of the, one of the first people I probably really got to know when, when, I, when I came in here, when I came to Harrisburg. So yeah, so we go back, so I do have a little bit of background. I didn't need to research him, I didn't need to Google Adam. Who the heck is this guy? Uh, the, the questions were easy because, yeah, we've been kind of sort of fellow tra- travelers in uh, building businesses in the last few years. We've talked a lot about it. We've talked a lot about Harrisburg and the city a and a lot. Yeah, a lot of text as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this is actually a, a delight and an honor for me to be here to interview you. Nice. So, yeah. Um, but uh, my first question actually is something I, I really don't know much about, which is um, to just sort of establish a little baseline here. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background, um, like where, where you grew up and how you got interested in business. Yeah, um, so I am from here. I uh, graduated from Central Dolphin in 2004, um, then went to culinary school in Pittsburgh for some reason. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did actually. Um, so I, I cooked professionally for a couple of years um, at a, a big hotel in Pittsburgh and then the Hilton right downtown here, um, and then decided that wasn't uh, the life for me. Um, it is hard work in a way that I cannot describe if you've never done it. If you've at least waited tables, um, you might have some feel for it because an angry cook probably yelled at you profanities for a couple times, but <laughs> um, that it, it's a completely different life. And if you're not 300% in it, it's not for you. So uh, luckily I found that out early enough on in life um, that I could kind of pivot a little bit and started back at uh, Penn State Harrisburg for public policy. Um, to kind of uh, scratch an activist itch, I guess you could say. Um, ended up working for a handful of nonprofits, um, kind of in fundraising development sort of roles in the meantime. Um, never actually quite finished, uh, much to my dad's chagrin, who's here today, but he's still proud of me, I think. <laughs> um, so. We can get up, him up here and ask no, him. No, that's quite all right. <laughs> are, are you proud of Adam? No, okay, oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Um, Really, the the path into business was, uh, I said to somebody earlier, kind of by accident, but she pointed out nothing's necessarily by accident, just something I wasn't uh, anticipating yet, something I hadn't seen coming. Um, so, Okay. So, so what was your very first job? Like the very first thing you ever got paid to do? It's the best. Um, so, I mean, b- besides like shoveling the driveway or mowing the lawn, that kind of stuff, actual like... W-2 taxable income uh, was free sample lady at Costco. <laughs> um, so worked with a handful of awesome, awesome people. Um, just so like you walk through Costco and you get the free samples. That was, uh, so that store had, in, here in Harrisburg had just opened maybe a year prior to my starting there. Um, and it really taught me how to put myself out in front of people um, that I wouldn't otherwise necessarily need or want to talk to. Um, at one point, one of the members of the uh, store, because you have to have a membership to shop there, so you see the same people over and over again, um, had said, man, you could sell a refrigerator to an Eskimo. Um, and that, that's kind of stuck with me. Um, not that I ever wanted to be a salesman, per se, um, but to be able to have that validation that even at 15 years old, um, 16, I could make that much of an impression on someone was was pretty profound. Wow, that is cool. So, so what were you forcing them to eat? 
Um, <laughs> the cinnamon rolls were the best. They were so good. Um, but any like all the like weird frozen like entrees and cookies and all that kind of stuff too. But um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Huh. Okay. I, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I, well, well, I'm I'm glad I'm here. I'm learning all kinds of things. By Take Adam notes. <laughs> so, um, so uh, we've already uh, talked a little bit about this. Maybe there's more to be said about it. Um, what um, what made you really want to become a business person? Because obviously, as you said before, you went to culinary school and you sort of went there. So that was, I guess, not your first inkling. So w what inspiration hit you one day that you said, I want to start my own business? Um, so I was, when startup, the co-working space, I founded, started, um, which we'll talk about that, I'm sure. In that Next question, bit. number yeah. four. Um, <laughs> um, I was working uh, in a development role for um, Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, of the Capital Region, an awesome organization. Um, if you have the time or inkling to be a big, please, please do. You will have such an important impact on a kid's life. Um, and I'm not being paid to say that. So <laughs> um, it got to having, that was the, I don't know, fourth or fifth nonprofit I'd worked for by that point. Um, and at some point you realize your time is worth more than the organization, frankly, can pay you. Um, not even just in a selfish way, but just in a like, I have so many, I wanna travel, I wanna go see places, do, do different things. But unfortunately, the world we live in, all, that, all those fun things cost money, right? Um, so no matter how impactful and feel good your job, your day job might be, if it's not paying the bills, you've gotta figure out what else to do. Um, so, I thought, hey, I could find some way to, instead of have a job, make my own. Um, and that kind of led down the path. Hmm. Okay. So, so you're the first business that you started, you mentioned startup. Mm -hmm. So that was, to my knowledge, you're the first real, yeah. real business Correct. that you started. Yep. And you started that with, with Adam Brackbill. Mm -hmm. So give us a background on how that all began. Um, shameless plug for HYP. So my partner, Adam Brackbill, and I uh, met at a new member mixer in August, July, August of 2012 um, at a house on Green Street, I think it was at at that point, um, and just became fast friends, got to talking. I mean, that very casual, like, oh, hey, we have the same name. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Um, it, really easy icebreaker, right? Um, I mean, and we're both six foot tall blonde white guys named Adam, so ta da! Um, they're known as the Adams. Yeah. Um, so we became fast friends. That was, like I said, late summer. By November, we were seriously hunting for spaces. Um, we didn't have a name yet, but then one day, I think at Aruga's down on Second Street, um, it had just, I think, fairly recently opened and became that, like, tap room sort of situation it is um we're having a beer outside and it was that literally a napkin moment and i wish i had that napkin to prove i'm not just saying that um but then i think one of us just blurted out startup okay cool um the next day adam had a logo together um by the middle of december i think we had a lease signed um and then started rehabbing the place call it January after the new year. Um, and then we're open March 1st of 2013. Okay. So I actually told this story during the uh, first house built in the Berg that I had the napkin moment here, right here at ABC. My, my founding partner of the Berg and I were sitting downstairs drinking a beer. A beer, beer seems to be the common thread here um, to, to starting a business. And it was right down, down downstairs and I had also that moment. Yes, the Berg, that's what we're going to call it. So um, I can relate to that. Um, well, let's get back to um, beginnings a little bit of startup. Why did you think that Harrisburg needed a co-working space? I mean, uh, how, how did yeah. that idea for a business come about? Totally. Um, so at the time, other Adam, as we call each other, uh, was a freelance web developer and had been renting an office, uh, like a, a single private office in a shared building um, up by the governor's mansion. And he had just graduated from Messiah, I think it was that May. Um, and just wanted more connection, was kind of isolated, went to his office, did his work and went home and was just like, there's gotta be more more to this, right? There is more to life than just sitting at a desk all day and then going home. Um, Pretty much not, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe there firm, I believe firmly that there is, okay. but um, so 
he had expressed the interest. I wonder, I wonder if there's some other way. Um, I had seen a woman named Ann Kirby then in Lancaster start a place called the Candy Factory, uh, which has now since itself grown into a much, much, much bigger facility. Um, she started up about formally about two years prior to us um, in a building on the 300 block of uh, Queen Street in downtown Lancaster um, and thought, why couldn't Harrisburg do this too? Um, it was, it, there is that like kind of Lancaster envy that a lot of us in Harrisburg have, right? Um, and, and I'm sure that was a little, a little bit of it. Um, but I would, I like to say that it was more of a why not us too, rather than a like jealousy thing per se. <laughs> um, but through Adam and getting to talk to other, I'll broadly say techie types, um, we thought, hey, if we start a really, really small, basic kind of community, um, maybe this will take off, maybe it'll work. Um, and we were just silly enough to try. Okay, so you found Location, which was this small brick building on the 1500 block of North 3rd Street yep. that at one point, well, I think it was the Midtown Post Office yep. historically, uh, We right? actually had a couple of neighbors, uh, the Zooks, who still live on the Green 16, Street, 1700 block of Green, mm -hmm. um, and they remember the postmaster's name. <laughs> Not kidding. Uh, this cute little Mennonite couple, they're adorable. They come to the cinema a lot, too. Um, they still remembered, oh, so-and-so used to take my mail, and it was really really cute interaction when we first met okay and then it also was the first location of midtown scholar yeah after eric and kathy moved out of their yeah. attic i guess um and realized oh we need a store that was where that was yeah so the store has a lot of a lot of a nice pedigree yep. and, and, and a lot of good promising vibes to it mojo yeah that's right so you start you started there and you're right i mean it was just well i mean it was a decent sized space to begin with it wasn't bad yeah uh we had the we had just the first floor initially um, but by the time we took over the second floor, that in total was about 3,000 square feet. Yeah. So like a big house. So so did you, uh, before you started your business, did you sort of just intuit that Harrisburg needed this? I mean, you mentioned the, the jealousy, and obviously this has been done in many other cities, and Harrisburg just didn't have it. Was that kind of your logic, or did you, you know, actually get down and, you know, calculate a bunch of numbers? And um, <laughs> That's the fun part is... There was not and still is no formal pen and paper business plan. Um, it was, it's been, I mean, obviously we've got a little more sophisticated about it over the years, um, but that first just back and forth about it and the, the kind of day-to-day -day even of the first year or two um, were just very seat of your pants, what needs to be done? And we did it, whatever it was, whether it was, you know, giving somebody a tour, updating the website, unclogging the toilet, whatever it was. We just did it. Yeah, so no offense to any NBAs out there, but when I've, since I, I started the Berg and I sort of started a couple of other businesses, sometimes people have asked me, you know, did you have a business plan? And, and you know, I, I, I actually had a, a little bit of one, but I've always said to them, what happens is you can have a business plan, you can do a 30-page business plan, and then what happens is the day of your opening happens and you open the door and within five seconds of opening that door, you basically can take your business plan and just throw it in the trash, because it, it really, from the, it just the business from there takes on its own momentum and vibe and goes wherever it's going, going to go. It is any business, whether it's um, so again, other Adam as we call each other, uh, Brackbill runs Urban Churn, uh, an ice cream stand at Broad Street Market, and then he also distributes to a whole bunch of other local restaurants. Um, that too was a family recipe that he's like, hey. Could I do this for a living? Would other people like it? Um, and despite doing all the math of, okay, you know, I need to sell this many containers at this price, and da 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 da, da um, when a regular comes up to his stand and says, hey, can you make this wacky flavor? He's like, yeah, sure. Um, he hasn't, hasn't costed out those ingredients. He hasn't. He's made sauerkraut done, ice cream. Yeah, hasn't right. It? I mean, so, and it was actually really good, and I hate sauerkraut, which is weird to say in Central PA, I know, but. Um, Get out. Yeah, no, sorry, I'm done. Okay. Interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but even then, he still like just kind of rolls with it. Um, and I think that's been the story of a, a lot of startups, um, even if it's a newspaper or um, earnings other sort of business. Yeah. So, so were your was your initial assumption, I guess, that Harrisburg needed a co-working space? Do you believe that that has been proved out? Um, there at the time there was. Um, like the make space had gotten started, um, RIP. Um, it, 
it, I think, proved at least enough that the, to use Richard Florida's term, creative class um, in Harrisburg uh, was acknowledged finally for once. Um, there had always been you know, a pop-up art show here or a freelance graphic designer in the coffee shop over there, um, but there wasn't a central place, a central physical place, brick and mortar, but also just formal-ish community um, for those folks especially creatives, not just tech types, um, to get together and, and collaborate, connect, work off, work off of each other's energy and ideas, um, and even just the nuts and bolts of, I gotta fax this to, over to a client who has a fax machine in 2013. Um, so even just stuff like that too. So, um, so a couple of years passes, mm -hmm. and you decide to go bigger. Yeah. And, and you move down the street, you move into the old uh, Harrisburg Moose Lodge at 3rd and Bowie Street, which had been many, many other things over the years and had been Ron Brown Charter School and then it had been empty for 10 years. And then anyway, uh, WCI stepped in and renovated the building, did a beautiful job. And, and you guys moved in. Um, so how did that come about that you decided, I'm going to go to a place that's, I don't know, three times the size? Uh, about or? twice the size. Okay. Um, but also very different. I mean, yeah. because of all the private offices, it's just a very, very different space. Mm -hmm. So what was that thinking? Um, so actually, well, like, at the time we knew we needed to grow, um, the real hard impetus was uh, the, the owner of our old building was selling it, um, so we kind of had to go. <laughs> um, but luckily, well prior to that, WCI had approached us, um, and for a lot of reasons that are way too geeky and wonky for this podcast, um, it made a lot of sense for us to be that ground floor tenant. Um, we needed more space. They needed a commercial tenant. Retail in Harrisburg, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about later, um, still still is a really, really tough thing to pull off, especially in that big of a space. Um, and the way it's structured, it could have only really meaningfully been chopped up into about two suites, uh, one very large one and one kind of medium-sized one. And even those footprints in a historic building they just mechanically couldn't have been a restaurant. Retail wouldn't have probably fit because there couldn't have been something with high enough margins to support the rent and so on. Um, so really weird, wonky stuff like that. But um, And the idea, too, of that you can live and work in the building. So there are 33 apartments above us. Um, we have no interest or stake in those, but it's just a really nice selling point um, that your commute can be an elevator ride. So um, you can live in one of the one, but they're all one bedrooms above us. Um, and you can just right down to the first floor, Hang out at your your desk, your office, um, and get your work done. We had a we've had now three three or four members uh, over the two years we've been in that building do that. So, so are most of your members of as you mentioned the creative class or or not or how would you describe them? Um, it's it's actually now shaking out to be a lot more remote work rather than the sort of like typical like tech bro freelance kind of idea that you might hear about in a co-working, in like a WeWork or something like in San Francisco or whatever. Um, because of Central PA's growth, we're seeing a lot of like big national, international companies open up satellite offices in Harrisburg and need, whether it's temporary space or, it, or even if it is long-term, only small, like not an entire office, but just literally two or three desks. Um, so what, whether they're in the tech space, finance, um, a lot of engineering actually over the years. Um, so like uh, we have one member who's uh, like kind of, I'll say mechanical engineer and does bridge design, um, so that kind of thing. But then we also do have our fair share of, um, you know, sort of the more typical graphic designers, um, a handful of nonprofits actually, uh, one of whom was, is a, a finance related nonprofit that helped partially with the funding of the building itself, so they moved their Harrisburg office into our building, so that worked out really well. Um, we have a, a nonprofit called Women of Color Network who uh, works in the, the domestic violence space. They train professionals who themselves then are sort of direct care providers. Um, we even had a, a member for about six months until he left the area um, who designed, I can't make this up, uh, he designed designs for tabletop gaming pieces that were then 3D printed. So he designed Dungeons and Dragons pieces to like put a finer point on this. His living was D&D &D game pieces. And not even the actual production of them, just the designs that he would then sell in these 3D printing 
websites. Like, that's the world we live in, folks. It's awesome. <laughs> that's a very nerdy world. Very. Yeah. It's awesome. You don't get much nerdier than designing nope. D&D game pieces. That is like peak nerd. <laughs> but he was awesome. He was a really cool guy. Um, so if you were going to start, start startup all over again now, what would you do differently? Not call it startup. Wow. Okay, why? Um, I think we still... I think a lot of people who might approach us don't because our name implies a lot that isn't necessarily the case. Um, we, we have had a handful of, I'll say, capital E entrepreneurs over the years, um, but not really that many just because the scene, as it were, in Harrisburg isn't still there yet. It's getting there very, very slowly, and hopefully series like this and its companion series plug on Derek's behalf. Uh, so these happen every other month. The months that these don't happen, there is a series called CEO Roundtable. That's uh, third Friday mornings at the Hilton. Free breakfast, it's great. Um, so hopefully cultural sort of events like this help build that scene. Um, but until it's to a point where um, the default isn't the state, the feds, a school, or a hospital, who has a family member that does not work in one of those four industries? The state, the federal government, whether that's DOD, a courthouse, or whatever, uh, Pinnacle, or Penn State Hershey, or like, you know, Shippensburg University or something. Who, who has a family member that does not work in one of those four spaces? Ta-da! <laughs> um, so until it becomes apparent that I can earn a living for myself and by myself. Running a co-working space is really hard um, because people have to be able to know that there is a way to earn a living for yourself, not just on somebody else's payroll. W-2 is one way to earn a living, but it's not the only way. Okay, so, I, so, so then maybe the lesson... That was a lot to unpack, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so then maybe the lesson is here is... Don't think of your company name while drinking beer. Maybe. Uh, it was only like one or two minutes. Con, 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 contrary to what I said before. Because, <laughs> it's, but it's funny that you mentioned that because if I had to do the brig over again, I would do a whole bunch of things over differently. One of the things I would also do is not call it the Berg because people make an assumption that all we do is cover Harrisburg or we're only in Harrisburg, where in fact we write about what, you know businesses and arts and whatever way out in the suburbs and we distribute in six counties and so, but I get that all the time. So, yeah. yeah. So, I wanted something that was geographically defining, and mm -hmm. apparently I'm now too penned in geographically. <laughs> do you ever get, but, do people ever say you miss the H and assume you're Pittsburgh? No, okay, no. Good. No, okay. but sometimes I do, sometimes I do get emails and stuff no. that spell the Berg with an H. Do you ever get folks asking Who's you interviewing who here? Come to other <laughs> <laughs> We can trade seats. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, sorry. No, uh, I was just going to say, um, do you ever get, people in other cities asking you like hey this is really cool come here like oh, start start one oh absolutely one in oh yeah Tioga it, County I don't know oh yeah I, I've had people speaking about Lancaster Envy yeah, right. I've had people from Lancaster say you need to come here and start the caster so uh, which I which yeah which I, I'd be happy the caster the caster beer the caster yeah um, so yeah so, so my yeah so, so my, my answer is that, well, yeah, if you drop a million dollars in my lap, I'll be happy to do it. There it yeah, is. Yeah. Business of journalism, not good. So anyway, um, maybe you've heard that. Um, so anyway, so let's move on, talk yeah. about you again. All right. Um, so now um, let's, move, let's move on to the serial part of your serial entrepreneurialism ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and talk about provisions. Sure. So, so, that's, so that, that's a little different from startup, huh? Quite, so, a, yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. So give us the background there and how did that come about? Yeah, um, so my uh, different business partner in that uh, that venture named Sean, um, his day job is actually with Credic. Um, so if you ever do want to start a business, find someone whose day job is helping businesses get started. Uh, works out really well. And then that business plan, that 30-page business plan actually gets made. Um, projections are hella accurate. Um, and it, and it works out pretty well. Um, so I stand corrected. We, we met actually through startup because being a co-working space, right, you interact with the chamber, which is kind of predicts some other organization. Um, so he also happened to need a web developer for he and his wife's uh, online soy candle business, believe it or not. Uh, so at, 
Adam Brackbill being a web developer was like, sure. Um, so we met kind of in two ways at the same time. Um, that soy candle business ultimately grew through a series of supplier acquisitions into uh, a food business. So um, uh, shelf-stable packaged, consumer packaged goods, that kind of stuff, um, but largely in the like organic, healthy, um, I'll say granola space. Um, not literally necessarily, but partially. Um, and I, one day over lunch, uh, I said to him, hey, I want to run an idea by you. What do you think? I need a car to feed myself. I have to get in a big, expensive, wasteful, dangerous hunk of metal to go put food on my kitchen table. Like, that's silly. Um, I live in a city. I should be able to walk to that kind of thing, right? Um, at that time, uh, Broad Street Market hadn't quite begun the upswing that is still blessedly in. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> um, that people like Jenny are a part of. Um, from Need, whose pizza is amazing. Um, yeah, I'm going to get her up here and start interviewing her. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry. It, has he called you yet? Yeah, um, yeah, I tackled her in the market the other day. Oh, good. Um, she wouldn't talk so to one, one lunch led to another, led to another, and we eventually began looking for brick-and-mortar spaces, um, the, and the idea morphed accordingly. Um, so at one point, provisions such as it was uh, was going to be a teeny teeny tiny little like it's small already but like a teeny weeny little corner store on Green Street somewhere or a market stand um, because Beth hadn't come on at that point um, so we were still kind of back and forth with that um, there were a couple of storefronts in Midtown obviously there's a much denser residential population so it would make sense um, but building a grocery store Two of the big challenges are finding the right size space and finding the right quality of space um, that doesn't cost too, too much to renovate because as soon as the rent gets too high, the model just falls apart. Um, so luckily, after three years of planning, um, we came across uh, a space that used to be a Susquehanna Bank branch. Um, and before, well before that, it was actually the third street entrance to Woolworths. Um, so most Woolworths in any downtown were an L-shaped by design. Uh, the one entrance was on Market Street. The other entrance was on it was on Third, uh, right across from what's now Whitaker Center. Um, it's about 2,500 square feet, maybe. So not so even smaller than Startup's first space to kind of compare those two. Um, but we were able to kind of, in theory, make the numbers work on paper at least. Um, to a point where we were comfortable to kind of go ahead and more seriously, you know, sign a lease, all that jazz. Um, so then we actually opened November 1st of last year, and it's it's been hard. Um, it's been really, really challenging to change something as personal as people's habits related to food. Um, far more people than we estimated go to this one store on this specific day at this exact time and buy these 17 items every week. That is mind-blowing to me. So much of my life is just like, okay, what do I need to do right now? I don't plan what I'm going to have for dinner next Wednesday. That's just not how I operate. So I think not being in, right? Um, so I think not being in that kind of headspace perhaps has resulted in some changes over time, I think, to the store and will continue to. Um, but just like you said about the day you throw the doors open, that plan goes out the window. Um, luckily, certain projections have kind of been spot on. Others we've got to work on, but um, it's getting there. Okay. So you started this because you didn't want to go to Giant anymore. Basically, yeah. Okay. I, I wanted to live in a city. I, I love mm -hmm. living in a city where you actually know your neighbor's names. Hi, David. Um, and can walk places to do things and see people and get stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you... Uh, now, now, Provisions is a very unique kind of format. Mm -hmm. How did you decide up upon that? I Hopefully most of you have been in Provisions, um, but it has a, a certain you know, select mix of goods and uh, it's, you just said it's a much smaller footprint. Mm -hmm. So how did you make that decision to go with that kind of, I guess we might call sort of urban style grocery? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was kind of a two things pushed each other 
to make it what it is, one being um, kind of the economics of it, um, the reason you know, a giant or a Trader Joe's or a Wise or a Carnes doesn't locate in a dense urban core, the rent's too damn high. It's, we literally pay triple what giant pays out in the suburbs per square foot, um, just because that's what retail rates go for, right? Um, you're paying for the proximity to the density. Um, so running a 50,000 square foot, what amounts to a warehouse, just a fancy one, um, times that rent, it just doesn't work. Also, um, kind of the ecologics of it. So there's a lot of waste that goes into a traditional retail suburban supermarket, not to mention the acres and acres of parking and all that, but just, you know, the bag in the box on the truck from the other warehouse down the highway from halfway across the world. Um, the average plate travels something like 1,300 miles, I think is the kind of running statistic of like what you're eating took over 1,000 miles to get to you um, of combined sort of transit. Um, so to be able to, in that smaller footprint, to save rent money, basically, um, we had to get rid of the packaging. Well, if you have oats just sitting on the floor, nobody's going to buy that. Um, so what do you do? You go bulk. Um, so kind of like the candy aisle at giant, um, that's what most of our store is. Um, so you can buy as much or as little as you want at any given time, um, which also helps a individual shoppers and residents control their food cost. If your budget's tight, if you get paid once a week and you only have 20 bucks for groceries, you don't want to waste 550 of that in a big box of Cheerios which really should only cost you 30 cents. Um, so both the dollars and the kind of sort of zero waste component of it play into each other quite readily. So that's kind of how it came to pass. Yeah, now I know that you, as you mentioned just previously and as you mentioned to me before, you wanted to provide an option for people sort of who live near the area mm -hmm. where they could pick some stuff up. And thankfully, I live near the area, and I do that. Um, but Strawberry Square, where Provisions is, mm -hmm. is kind of a unique place that is much more dedicated to commuters mm -hmm. and state workers. Um, so has your mix of clientele proved to be different than you thought? Um, we knew where we were going, um, so we expected the, the, I'll say, lunch crowd, state workers, um, to be the bulk of our business initially. Um, but as Harristown has built more and more and more and more apartments with another, as you've reported, 80 in the works, something like this, 90, um, just that'll open it in the next year or two. Um, that's become a bigger portion of it. We can obviously, like most point of sale systems, we'll let you track sales hourly. So we can see, okay, today, lunch went out. Um, but more and more days, dinner, so that five or six o'clock hour is starting to win out. And because we know state workers' schedules, basically, um, if somebody is shopping at our store after five, we know they live there. Anybody who works a nine to five downtown really works like a seven to three or an eight to four, and they zip out of town real quick. Um, so by the time five or six rolls around, if that hour peaks, we know that day residents went out. Not went out, but you know what I mean? Um, and like even the ceiling two hour store is an apartment. Um, so like they're that close. Um, and then like I said, another 80 or 90 coming online. And that's just Harristown, our landlord, um, WCI startups landlord, and a handful of other developers and just sort of one-off folks here and there are turning offices into residents, flipping houses, um, building more where there hadn't been anything before, sort of infill. Um, and we really do focus on a 10-minute walk, basically, um, sort of half a mile, three-quarters of a mile, um, because you don't want to lug, you know, half a gallon of milk all the way up to McClay Street from Market Street. Like, that's just not something that makes sense, right? Um, so we... Bike share. Which is excellent. Um, and we actually have a bike share station that opened right... 20 feet from our door, basically. Um, so that we have noticed, where is Zach? There is. Um, number one or number two at the moment? Has Brad beat you out yet? No, I'm still one. OK, good. Uh, the number one bike share user uh, in Harrisburg is Zach over there in the All corner. Right. So thank Yay. you. Um, 
he, he goes back and forth with uh, Brad Jones from Harristown, who I think is more of a fair weather rider. So I think your competition is uh, going to heat up here once it stops raining finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we really focus on that 10-minute walk because we're trying to tr retrain people to shop when they need it on demand, um, not especially if you're living in you know one of these nicer five, six, seven, eight hundred square foot apartments that are getting built as a result of flipping sort of office spaces. Um, you don't have much room. You can't really Costco doesn't make sense, um, and even going to Giant anymore. If you buy more than like three items, where are they going to fit? Um, so we want to be able to make it possible for people to live in these sort of dense, walkable neighborhoods that they say they want to live in. Um, but we've talked to many, as we were getting open, we were talking to a lot of downtown employers, and they would lose young talent because they, they would move here from D.C., Philly, New York, Chicago, Pittsburgh without a car because they thought, oh, it's a city, cool. Wait, um, buses don't run on Sundays which we feel. Um, we're open seven days a week. It's hard, but we do it. Um, so we, we want to be as accessible as we can for the neighborhood, even though the building we're in is primarily at least, what, 4,000 workers or something crazy? 3,000 3, workers in that building during daylight hours. Um, so it, it, it's been a mix. So sort of repeating the question I asked you about, about startup, um, maybe more so here because the grocery business is so notorious for being thin margin and tough to operate. Yeah, and you seem to agree with me. Yeah, so, I very mean, much. You know, uh, a would you do it again? And and b if so, what substantially would you do differently? Yeah. Um. Right, so we we absolutely will do it again, and I'll say that on onto a recording. Um, the goal for this store is to multiply it all over the city, all over the region. Um, we're exploring partnerships in our sister cities of York and Lancaster. We've had interest from Carlisle, Allentown, Reading. Um, we'll see how those pan out over time. Um, but it, it really needs to be bigger. Um, the, the store win, like I said, is about two or 3,000 square feet. Um, we're able to make that work because we can, for health code purposes, right, we have to have a janitorial closet. We have to have bathrooms. We're luckily able to call Strawberry Squares our own, so that takes away square footage that we would otherwise have to rent to make it work. Uh, one challenge we do face is luckily we're selling produce so fast, and we currently lack back store. Like we don't have a back room there. Like you walk into the store and what what you see is what there is. Um, but luckily we're selling produce so fast that we can't get new in before stuff sells out. So like we get, get deliveries Monday, Wednesday, Friday. By Tuesday afternoon, we're sold out of some stuff um, just because we don't have enough space to put what we know we'll sell. Um, so that will be a challenge going forward is working out that sort of really wonky supply chain-y stuff um, to be able to keep that, keep up to snuff. So like you walk into a traditional, you know, Wegmans, Giant, whatever, and they, they price for about 50% waste. They know... They're going to throw away, yeah, half of that produce just sitting out on the counter because it has to always look full. It has to give you a sense of abundance when you walk in. I'm okay if there are three onions left sitting out because then I get to charge you less and you feel better about spending your really, really hard-earned dollars with us. Um, really shameless plug, but that's why we're here, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so I have to ask this. You also have a full-time job. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're also yeah. the manager of Midtown Cinema. How do you manage to do all that? And this is a question that I think a lot of people who know you wonder. Do you sleep? Or what's going on? Um, I, so I had to laugh. Uh, I don't know if it was Derek or the marketing committee earlier today uh, shared the event as you do um, and said, come hear how Adam manages three businesses and a personal life. And I was just like... Personal life? What personal life? What personal life? <laughs> um, so, so that's part of it. Um, but yeah, actually, the, a, a little history there, too. So starting startup actually got me the cinema gig. So that was a weird uh, sort of manifestation of networking that I never would have anticipated. The then startup's then landlord happened to also own the cinema and at the time needed some new management. I happened to also need a job because... Um, that small of a brand new business ain't gonna pay the rent uh, personally, so that kind of, they, they took a real big chance on this 
kid who they never met before. Um, and luckily, five years later now, it's worked out. Um, but in terms of time management, I think a lot of it is my, my goal that I've never gotten to is, you know, Mondays are for provisions, Tuesdays are for startup, Wednesdays are for the cinema. Um, I, with each business, there are a couple of standing meetings each week at certain times that I do work around um, that do give me that time to focus on, okay, right now, this is cinema time, like, period. Um, but it hasn't quite gotten to the point where all I do one day is one business just because of the nature of all of them. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'm working toward, but... Yeah, I have one, and I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I don't know how you have um, three or four jobs. It, it does really... I mean, team building is a lot of it. Um, really finding strong, supportive people around you, which sounds kind of like soft and lovey-dovey, but it's absolutely true. Um, Josh, our manager at Provisions, we built the plan to have a manager full-time, because Sean and I both have full-time jobs and other businesses, um, but specifically, he as a person... 15, 20 years of grocery experience, um, tailor-made for this job, couldn't have worked out better, so props to him. Um, at the cinema, we have a, we're up to, what, 15 people now or something crazy, because um, we're open seven days a week from noon. Um, we show foreign independent documentaries. Uh, right now we're playing a really killer film called Won't You Be My Neighbor About Mr. Rogers? It's the best. <laughs> this, this is the advertising portion yeah, of totally. the um, but, but that that team who is effectively a large extension of my family keeps it running. Um, at startup, we have Tori, who's our community manager and also used to work with, work with us at the cinema, um, has this innate, I, I almost kind of cringe at the term emotional intelligence because it's so overused these days, but um, I, I will say uh, EQ, emotional quotient, um, that just makes her so good at what is such a random job. Um, everything from property management and maintenance to tours, which are essentially sales, um, to design, to marketing. It is a really catch-all kind of job, and she's really taken ownership of it and run with it in a way that allows Adam and I to have these other crazy passions. Okay. So, so then, what what's next for Adam Porter? Dog groomer, podiatrist? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to say this in recording or not. I I have this. So I like I said, right off the bat, I hate the idea of professional food services a living. But I have this really really crazy idea for a food truck that I want to make happen. <laughs> um, I was joking. <laughs> I, I know, but I, I actually do. <laughs> um, so I want. I don't know what it would be called yet, but the style of food would be Hexmex. Hexmex. As in hex sign, as in Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh, okay. So like combined Mexican food, which is... I'm an Italian from New Jersey. I don't know right, about that. Yeah. Uh, which is like Mexican food, which mm -hmm. is traditionally very like flavorful and robust wow. with Pennsylvania Dutch food, which is typically very bland and beige. Um, and see what happens. But... Uh, well, your dad's about to retire. I think he can <laughs> yeah, right. man the truck. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's Hexmex. You have to do it. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. Um, I, I would, like, in, in the vein of the sharing economy, I would love to see Harrisburg actually get a car share program similar to our bike share program. Um, Zipcar had come to town a couple of years ago, but that never materialized in anything. Um, we're still really, really small, so, like, a, a get-around or a, a car-to-go won't probably locate here anytime soon. Um, so maybe we have to do it ourselves. Okay, so I have one more question. Then I think we need to get to audience yeah, questions because I've taken up too much time. But uh, I do have one more, and that's... Yeah, sure. Okay, well... Yeah. But I, but, did you want to do the portion where we get uh, all of Adam's business ideas? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, we, already have, we already have two new ones. Yeah. So Give me a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he has some time between 2 and 2.30 a.m. every day. <laughs> he can squeeze those in there. But, but my last question is, I, I actually want to ask you about, about Harrisburg. And, yeah. I mean, do you feel comfortable where Harrisburg is for somebody like you, for, for somebody who wants to start businesses and open businesses? Um, how, how do you see this sort of entrepreneurial environment here? Um, very strong. And, again, I'm not paid to say that. But um, 
we're at a place now as a city where we have enough momentum, we have enough unrelated people doing vaguely related, even if not literally, projects all at the same time with the same ultimate goal of making this town better in past eras if certain singular individuals didn't bless a project of at least of a certain size, it did not happen as you've reported many, many times. Mm -hmm. um, but now in this iteration of Harrisburg's history, um, we have enough people, whether they're from here, whether they've come here because they see potential in us, in it. Um, I kind of look at Harrisburg now as it's, and this sounds kind of cheesy, but like its own co-working space. We, just on a municipal level, um, we all want to share resources. We all want to bounce ideas off of each other. Um, we all want to actually, like, most of us want to get to know each other. <laughs> um, and there's a lot that can come of that and a lot of benefit and good that can come of that. Now, obviously, there are some plenty of outside forces, uh, as you reported last night, um, that could perhaps derail that. But I, I still am optimistic on the whole about the sort of trajectory we're on. Hmm. Well, what do you think Harrisburg really needs from a product or service perspective besides the Hexmex truck? Right. Um, three of them now. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I know we, we just need more people. Um, I heard a column once that said that. Yeah, yeah. Harrisburg needs What did you people. say, about 10,000 more people? And we're like, well, at least, like yeah. the, the math works out. Mm -hmm. um, we just need more people. So for retail to work, there need to be people. But for people to want to live somewhere, they need to have places to buy things. Um, so it's this wicked cat and mouse game, catch 22, whatever you want to call it, um, that until I, a few more people take that leap of faith and commit to this place that we all clearly care enough about to come tonight, thank you, um, we just need a few more people. It's not even necessarily a business or a product or an idea or a ballpark or a museum. <laughs> um, or ten museums. <laughs> uh, we are we are doing really well on beer though. So props to Zero Day and the Millworks and uh, here, he, ABC <laughs> um, and Vegetable Hunter for kind of getting on that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think we just need more people, man. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I guess Harristown needs just to build a lot more housing. <laughs> They've been slacking off, so I don't know. <laughs> Okay, let's see, let's see how, how brilliant you guys are. And, and if you ask a lot harder hitting questions than I did. Um, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, explain Lancaster Envy. What are they doing that Harrisburg isn't? Good question. There it is. Good one. Um, you, you need a job at the Berg, whoever wrote that? Yeah, right. I, I think a lot of it comes down to a matter of perception. Um, their geography has lent them to becoming, you know, in certain ways, I would say, a Philly light kind of, in a, in a sort of being. Um, and their, their downtown core is just a lot physically denser. Um, they did, a, as you've, you and I have talked about quite a bit, um, they've done a much better job of historic preservation than we have in the past. Um, so a lot, many, many more of their older buildings are still around, so it gives the town a bit of a character that Harrisburg once had, but maybe not quite as much anymore. Um, so I, I think it's kind of this, there's a bit more of a buzz around it regionally. Even talking to folks in New York, they kind of view it almost in the same way, I think. Um, yeah, I hope that's... That answers the question. Yeah, the, well, Lancaster also didn't have quite the level of disinvestment that Harrisburg did. Yeah. So Harrisburg and, really went to the to the bottom. It was one of the most distressed cities in America you know, as, act, as, did, after the flood yeah. in '72. So uh, and it had and it had a lot of people who stuck around and who were invested in the community and who stayed there. 
and business people who stayed there, and some of, and they had a lot more money stay there. So they, they also had the industrialization go on, but not to the extent of Harrisburg. So my two cents. Um, there must have been fear, maybe more than once along the way to developing your businesses. How did you get past it? I haven't. No, um, this is the part where I really try hard not to cry in front of a room of people. Um, so, God damn it. Um, my mom passed away suddenly about three years, three years ago. Um, and when, when that happens, that is the worst thing that could have ever, 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 and will ever, ever happen to me, period. Um, I knew this was going to come up, but I, uh, um, so what if a business fails? I've got to try. Um, you, it, it crystallized for me that you really, as far as we know, only get one shot at this, and you don't know when your shot's done. You don't know when your time's up. Um, and I don't mean that in a really morbid, like, kind of way. Um, I, <laughs> I was a bit of a mama's boy growing up. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, my dad can probably affirm that. Um, so I, I was a bit of a scaredy cat. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to try that. Um, when, when my mom passed, it was sudden. It was really unexpected. Um, but if it sounds weird to say, but if it had to happen when it did, I'm glad I was at least as old as I was. Um, and I think I had had enough sort of adult experience in life to get through it in a way that, you know, like 10 year old me would have just been a wreck. Right. Um, but I really, really hope nobody in this room shares that experience. Um, I mean, we all will someday. Um, but I, especially being a young person's focused group, um, I really, really hope none of you have had to go through that. It's horrendous. Um, but once that happens, once you know what actual real loss is, everything else is just so easy. Thank you for being my therapy tonight, I apologize. <laughs> okay. So, so now maybe we need a, a little bit of a lighter question. Please. Somebody, somebody, somebody wants to know what your favorite beer is. Uh, critical Condition at Zero Day, and not just because they're in the same cinema, building as a cinema, but it is so, so, so good. Yeah. I, what, critical Condition? From Zero Day. Yeah. Um, Theo started it out as a kind of, he did it as a home brewer, tried to kind of mirror uh, Dead Guy Ale by Rogue uh, from out in Portland, and tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it. And eventually, it became this delicious, amazing eight or nine percent something creation. Yeah, it's so good. Tate and change. Yeah, the first the first time I had it, I took my first sip and I, I put it down. And whoever I was sitting next to, I said, "I want to marry that beer." <laughs> 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 so, um, okay. So, so this gets back a little to the last question I I asked. Somebody wants to know your vision of Harrisburg in ten years. Um, I actually said to somebody the other day, I see in Harris really, really, really faint comparisons, but I get the sense of this is what Brooklyn was like 15 or 20 years ago, like where Harrisburg is now, so maybe a little bit longer of a time frame. Um, similarly, so when I went to culinary school, um, it was out in Pittsburgh. That was from, from 04 to 05. It was still a bit of a dump uh, until about 07. And then, holy hell, did it take off. Um, a town that nobody ever thought would ever come back for any reason, and look where they are now. Um, so I, there's enough happening around us. We have finally, I think, um, a sense of regionalization happening in a way that hasn't happened in a long, long time. So central PA, as defined by the feds, is like three counties. We all in this room know it's about six or seven or eight or nine counties, um, and that matters for a lot of weird reasons that are way too long to talk about now. But um, I, I see us on a much more stable footing, um, and it's this kind of snowball effect, right? You, nobody wants to be the first one, but once a few people are the first ones, 
more and more and more people pile on, and it just gets better for everybody. Okay. Uh, next question is, where do you find the motivation and drive to keep going at full speed? I th kind of a schlocky answer, but I think I'm wired that way. Um, ADD too, let's be honest. Um, so uh, one of our members of startup, uh, Cody Warner, uh, started vlogging every single day on January 1st of this year. Uh, look it up, R. Cody Warner on YouTube. Um, and he talks a lot about his ADHD and how, how it affects him professionally, but also personally. Um, I think I had like, never been diagnosed or anything. I, I never took Ritalin as a kid, whatever. But um, I think the way I deal with it is just always, always doing something. There's just so much to do. Like, the idea of turning off at 5 o'clock is just foreign to me. I've tried that, but it just doesn't work. Mm. Well, you're already at Midtown Cinema, so you could just <laughs> hang and watch a movie. Go watch a movie, yeah. Uh, um, here's a question that actually I, I, I was going to ask, and I didn't get to it, so I'll ask it now. Um, what advice would you give to new entrepreneurs? Start. <laughs> I, like, I, I knew that one was kind of... I, I'm sure that one would be said. Um, there is absolutely no reason for you to not be doing whatever that is right now. Um, there are going to be a lot of challenges. You're going to mess up a lot. You're going to not know who to talk to or how to fill out that form or any number of things. Um, but you will not get anywhere unless you start. Okay. Uh, for some reason, somebody wants to know what your favorite marching band drum is. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, I, so I uh, played bass drum in high school for three years, and in my senior year, I played snare. <laughs> so bass or snare, people want to know. I'm going to leave it up to the room. Okay. Uh, and uh, hmm, this is a curious question. Somebody wants to know if you're going to try all of the food in provisions. Um, I, I've made a valiant effort, um, but we just have so damn much. <laughs> um, Can't get to the chocolate-covered pretzels? Those are delicious. Uh, the the <laughs> chocolate-covered ginger is so, so good. Uh, but luckily, in Josh's experience, because of Josh's experience, he's been able to really be smart about listening to our customers and hearing what they're asking for. Um, the vegan community has really, really latched onto us in a way that I didn't even expect. Like, the store looks kind of granola, right? Um, so you kind of expect that crowd to come in a little bit, but like, we've gotten a lot of really positive uh, feedback from the vegetarian, vegan um, community that like, hey, we've, we've always wanted to try this, that, other thing, and you guys have it, so thank you. Um, so. Okay. Well, I think Derek's gonna give us the hook. So he's standing there patiently, like. Time for one more. Um, well, I only have two questions, two questions left here. One oh, of them is, um, what is your go-to go spot for networking? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it begat me. Yeah, go to a new member mixer, man. I, um, or this, like I said, this event's partner series, uh, CEO Roundtable. Um, I'm not just saying this because I'm on the board of HYP, but like, you will meet so many new people here who will be able to help you in ways that you will not even know you need help in, um, even if it's years from now. Um, our insurance guy, our bank, or our attorney, all those sort of really nuts and bolts stuff, all in this group. Um, but also personal friends, um, really cool neighbors, editors of local magazines, like, you meet a lot, a lot of people through a group like this. All right. I think that's it. Thank you for listening to the HYP podcast. Our next event is going to be in September with Brittany Holtz, the founder of Studio B Power Yoga. You can learn more about this series and others by heading to our website, hyp.org. Special thanks to the event sponsors, M&T Bank, Dixon University Center, Provisions, and And Culture. 
Also, thank you to Clark Stefanik for the recording and editing of this podcast. Until next time, keep building in the Berg.